0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and
1: part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. I want you to take a moment and be honest with yourself. When was the last time you and your spouse spent quality time alone? I'm not talking about a quick dinner at a restaurant where you barely speak to each other or a movie where you can't even do that. I'm talking about something like a long hike or even a weekend away without the kids. Okay, blasphemy, you say. I hear it. Besides, you're going to tell me there's no time. And who could we trust to take care of the kids? Wouldn't that cost a fortune, too? Well, all our time, money, and energy are supposed to go to giving the children every single possible experience they need to be successful. The truth is, that's every experience except growing up under the protection of a great marriage. So, if you truly love your children, I invite you to drop everything and listen up. Mike Berry family consultant, and the author of Seven Hills Every Parent Should Die On. Love that title. And I are about to get real on why putting your children first isn't good for them, and it's horrible for your marriage. So Mike, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this topic that, as you can tell, is so near and dear to my heart.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, I've been in this business for a long time and I follow research and plenty of research shows that the child rearing years take a toll on marriage. Marriage satisfaction drops with the birth of the first child and doesn't pick <laughs> up again until the kids are out of the house. And you know, when you also know that I think the statistics are there are two big humps for marriages breaking down. One is around year seven or eight. And that to me is, okay, you've got a couple of kids, you know, <laughs> yeah. they've gotten a little farther along, things aren't working out. Or the second one, the second hump is like year 25. And that to me is, okay, the kids are gone. And now you're sitting there staring across the kitchen table like, who are you? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, Absolutely.
1: So you actually took this head on in an article you wrote called The Case for Putting My Wife Before My Children. <laughs> <laughs> you said that we've been parents for nearly 15 years now and there has never been a time where our children were allowed to dominate all of our time in the course of the day. So I'm and I I can can you hear all the voices going That's not possible. That's not possible. Aren't oh
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> What led to this decision to make sure that the kids did not take over? Because I know it's a decision.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I love what you, what you just said about that imagery of sitting across, you know, tw- year 25, you're an empty nester sitting across from uh, each other at a, at a kitchen table. Your children are all grown and gone, and you're looking at each other like, I don't even know who you are. Uh You know, and and another statistic that's very high is the divorce rate in the empty nest years Uh because and and the reason uh, is because for years, 18 of them to be exact, it was the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. You know, I think that we in the United States, the good old U.S. of A., we have this at times have this. this need to kind of put our kids on a pedestal that they don't belong on or worship our kids and what they're doing and their schedules and their extracurricular activities. Now, I'm not saying that putting our kids, that caring for our kids – Is wrong. Nor am I saying that you shouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. We don't want to deceive them. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a that that's a DCS call waiting to happen. Right. That's yeah. That's foster care waiting to happen, basically. But, anyways, we we do that, and I think that the the issue that that we found is that a lot of people do that to such a degree that their kids become first, and then their spouse becomes second, and we forget that that this. This all began with the two of us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It began with us getting, meeting, falling in love, getting married, saying our I do's, and then heading off into the sunset, so to speak, to start a family. We forget that and we, for whatever reason, and there are a lot of reasons we do this, we, we, we put our kids above the most important relationship on earth, and that's our marriage. The problem there is that, you know, you end up getting into that empty nest year, those empty nest years, and looking at each other like, I don't even know who you are. Right. So the, our decision was was pretty simple. We, When we first got married before our first child entered into our home, we looked at each other and we thought, we don't want to be those people, you know, 25, however many years from now, looking at each other, thinking, I don't even know you, and then ending up in divorce. Right. You know, because before all of these beautiful, precious children that we have, there was us.
1: Well, and We're I the think foundation. That, yeah, and I Go think ahead. that's what people forget. And yeah. you know, I don't know. In my husband, in my case, I'm not sure how. Not having children early on was a conscious decision because we were both in graduate school and we thought, okay, this is – you no, <laughs> this is not yeah. a good time to have children. So we were able to really build a strong foundation, just the two of us, that when our son came along, we weren't willing to give that up. It's like yeah. we fit him in to – what we were doing, and it got a little yes. bit harder when his sister came along three years later. That that took a little bit more juggling. But I think because we had already established that, it made it easier. So how did you and your wife establish this?
0: Well, you know, it, interestingly enough, it, it was... I think it was really just a conscious decision. It was that decision making early on that that this is that our relationship is always going to take priority. That we need to be healthy as a couple, and and if we're not healthy as a couple, our children aren't going to be healthy. They're going to be living with parents who are, you know, at a distance from one another, are not speaking or always on different pages. So it really came down to it was a, it was a conscious decision and it was also intentional, mm-hmm. you know, intention intentionality has to play a big part in marriage relationships. You have to be intentional about carving out uh, about first and foremost, deciding our relationship's going to come first, but then. Continuing to date one another after you're married, you know we lose that great art of dating, right? Uh, far too many times, and you know after we get married, and that it, to be intentional about that, and to say, okay, even if our schedule is crazy busy, we are going to be intentional about finding someone to babysit our kids, or if our kids are older, going out mm-hmm. for a night, leaving them at home. Um, I think just. It, b- being intentional i mean that's really what it did what what we were we, we it wasn't rocket science it was just we need to Make this a priority.
1: And, you know, and, and I get it because, I mean, I do remember how exhausting it was to have little kids. But I also remember when my son was six weeks old, we lived on the other side of the country from my in-laws. And they, so they came out. That was the first time they got to see their their first grandchild. Yeah. And so what they did is like, OK, guys, go out. Yeah, and they, and I had no qualms leaving my son with my with my laws. and I think I think that's one of the things that people get really freaked out about. Now I can understand.
0: They do. now, now a yeah.
1: newborn is one thing. I mean, I'm I'm all about okay. If somebody's going to take care of my newborn, they better know what they're doing. But if my kid is four and can oh, talk, and, yeah. I mean I mean I've talked with clients, and they you know I'll ask them, when was the last time you went out? And I mean, and their youngest kid is like six. Yeah, and they have not gone out since the birth of their. Fr- and I'm like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, they completely stop being individuals. They completely stop being parents. I mean, sorry, keep stop being partners and just become parents.
0: Yeah, which yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it's true. We know lots of people. We've counseled lots of people who are in the same boat. Eight year old kid, ten year old kid, haven't been out on a date for a decade together. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or and sometimes. Not even at all. And, and I will frequently get when I'm talking to somebody about this and they go, Well, isn't that selfish? And I look at them like, No. I mean, you, cause you were talking about self care and the importance yeah. of putting that and you, because I'll talk to a lot of women and it's like, you know, they're overwhelmed. And when was the last time you did anything for yourself? It's like, Well, mm. I can't do anything for myself. My child won't like it.
0: <laughs> and there's your problem.
1: Yeah, yes. And in your problem, which which is really interesting because in the same article, and I love this because, you know, I, I tell people I no longer have children. I have adults. Yeah. And you talk about raising adults, not children, because people mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm raising my children. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hal Runkle, who does screen-free parenting. But he also talks about you're not raising children. You're raising people who can function in society, absolutely, <laughs> which should be adults. So, you know, because you said the need to set a future example for them. And why did you think that was so important to actually highlight in your article?
0: Well, it, for us, you know, as we look into the future, we don't want to, uh, Our I, I don't want to say that it it's a fear, but we don't want to we don't want our kids to be in their 20s and be completely you know unable to function in society you know we we want we want to raise people we want to raise human beings who are responsible who have integrity who have good character and that's why you know we make it a point right now when our kids are younger and right now the kids we have in our home are 15 years old down to 7 years old uh-huh you know we even my 7 year old i look at him and i want him to be a productive successful integrity filled character filled adult someday so the choices i make now as a parent directly impact what happens tomorrow they directly uh ha- they decide what the future looks like in a lot of ways
1: and what they see but going on between you and your wife is actually also a really good example Yes. for them. Because I was talking to um, some, some clients the other day who they don't fight, um, but they're basically living like roommates. They're not a romantic couple. Right. And that yeah. always and that makes me so sad when I hear that. And you know, and they say, "Well, the kids, you know, the kids are okay with that." And I said, "Well, up to a point they're okay with that. But they don't know what that kind of relationship can look like." And I'm not talking about doing anything inappropriate. I'm not talking about having <laughs> right, sex right. in the living room in front of your yeah. children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, the hand holding, the the affection, I mean, I remember when my daughter was little, she was so hysterical because every time my husband and I would be hugging in the kitchen, she literally would worm her way in between the two of us. And it's like, <laughs> no, you go sit over there. This is, you know, you're not going to get in between me and your father. Yeah. Um, but you know, and so, and so they know that they absorb it by osmosis. And isn't that part of also what you're talking about?
0: Oh, absolutely. And and another thing that I would add to that is that I think it's healthy for children to see uh, couples relate to one another, married couple relate to one another and work through some of the life issues that they have to work through. Now, I'm not talking about screaming and yelling in front of your child in the uh-huh. middle of the living room, uh-huh. um, but I think that being able to watch your parents wrestle through life issues, then disagree with one another or Uh even get mad at one another and forgive one another. You know, oftentimes we've talked to many couples, probably hundreds of couples over the last couple of years who, you know, they don't, they're like, well, we don't ever want to fight in front of our children. And my response is really, (laughs) I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about throwing dishes across the room at one another, Mm -hmm. but you know, it, it, my question back to them is, why wouldn't you want your children to see how two adults work through life issues or struggles? And why wouldn't you want your children to see disagreement, uh, you know, opposite, opposite ends of the room for a time period and then forgiveness and reconciliation? I mean, two of the most powerful things that you can see displayed and you know, lived out by your parents. Why wouldn't you want to show that to your kids?
1: Right. And doing it in a healthy way is the key component to this. Absolutely. because Because what it says to people is, if I never saw this, then this isn't okay if it's happening to me and my partner. We have to all agree. And then we get into the conflict avoidance, which... The whole thing to me is, it's just because you disagree doesn't necessarily mean it's conflict. It just means you have a difference of opinion. Right. Um, but you're not wanting to rock the boat, not wanting to say anything, and then we and then the resentment grows, and then you know later everything blows up, and then the kids are left going, "Well, I don't understand." And you guys seem to get along okay, but they don't understand. Although they might pick up the undercurrents, because this is the other thing that I think parents don't understand, is that children, by necessity, are hypersensitive to the emotional undercurrents. Yeah. They just don't necessarily understand them, but but they're dependent on them because that's a a life or death potential situation back when we lived oh. on the plains with the animals and the tribes and everything else <laughs> yeah. we had we had to be very attuned to what was going on with the what i call the giants in our lives you know that if yeah. if the giants are upset oh my gosh there's something really to be upset about but when we when they don't understand what's going on and they don't see that reconciliation yeah. they don't see that it's okay to disagree with somebody and still love them
0: <laughs> yeah. And I would also add to that, you know, to the people, to, to the, the children or even the grown children who say, well, I, you know, their parents get divorced. and They say, well, I don't understand. You guys always got along getting along with somebody and relating to somebody are two different things.
1: Oh, I like you know, that. <laughs> you can
0: get it. You can get along. I can get along with, you know, my next door neighbor, mm. but I'm not friends with my next door neighbor. So I'm not relating to him. You know, we get along. You know what I'm saying? So it's getting along with somebody and relating to somebody are two different things. So, yeah, your mom and dad may have always gotten along. But if you look deeper, they didn't really relate to one another.
1: Right. And then then that's and then then that's missing when the kids grow up and try to form their own family relationships.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and my guest, family consultant and author Mike Berry, and I are talking about the importance of taking back your marriage from your children. And if you struggle with this, as most of us do... Then I invite you to give me a call or send me an email and take advantage of my free, no obligation, create your happily ever after marriage strategy session. You can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching n as in nancy c as in charlie.com or you can reach me at area code 919-924-0463 now back to this wonderful conversation because you know society puts so much emphasis on we have to do everything for the children and We have this idea that, you know, I'm a bad mom or I'm a bad dad if I'm not doing this. How do you guys get past that whole idea that somehow (laughs) what you're doing makes you a bad parent? Because, you know, I agree. I think it makes you a great one.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I we often tell people that. You know, and what we do—the niche that we're in—is is is we we reach out to foster and adoptive parents because that's what we are, and that's what we that's who we reach out to. And oftentimes, you have that complex of, well, I'm you know I'm a my time is all devoted to them, and I have to do everything for them. And and yes, you do have to do you have to be responsible for your children, you have to take care of them. But think about it this way: it's like it's like the oxygen mask. uh, illustration on the on the airplanes you know yep. you know i fly i travel all over the country all year long and you know it it's the same spiel we've all heard it you know ple you know in the, in the event of cabin pressure a uh, cabin pressure change oxygen masks will come down please you know they say this please put your oxygen mask on first and then put the oxygen mask on your child right you know and as parents you sometimes go are you kidding me right why, i would do that why would i do that why would i uh, that's my child but here's yeah, the thing I mean, if
1: you're passed out in the aisle your child, exactly. your child's gonna be in trouble yeah, yeah absolutely. and
0: as as my wife often says it eloquently when we're including this in a speech or a talk she'll say listen if you pass out you're both gonna die exactly <laughs> you know you're both dead so you need to take care of yourself first And, you know, we're not talking about like a weekend summit to Hawaii, you know, where your kids are just left to fend for themselves. I mean, if you can do that and, (laughs) you know, once or twice a year, that's great. But I'm talking like your kids get on the bus in the morning and you have the house quiet for a couple of hours. Read a book, go for a walk, go exercise, Uh meet up with a friend for coffee, do something that rejuvenates your soul, you know, your kids are at school, they're, you're, they're taken care of right now. So take care of yourself.
1: But even if they're not at school, even if they're at home and one of you goes off to exercise or Mm -hmm. spend some time with a friend, you're actually, again, teaching them. It's okay to do this because they'll get used to it.
0: Yeah, they will. We that's actually I, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's something that we uh, in the course of our 15 year parenting uh history and 17 year marriage, we we will do that. Kristen and I have a really good balance where, you know. One week I'll go. I'll I'll meet up with my friends for a beer and a football game, and the next week she'll meet up with her girlfriends and get some coffee or have some wine, something along those lines in the evening. Uh-huh. But we do have that balance, and and I can't stress that enough to to couples to find that balance because it is like you said, it's a great example for your kids to see that. That's that's also part of that raising future adults yeah. who are productive, but also know how to have a relationship with right. somebody.
1: that are healthy adults. That are
0: healthy adults, yeah. <laughs> so
1: so hopefully we, you know, we're, we're shifting the way some, some of the people think about this. And one of the things that you've, you've said in, in another article that I read, you said that in order for couples to f- put their marriage first, they need to change the way they think and er- interact with each other. And you've mentioned being intentional. Is there anything else that couples need to do? do in terms of the way they think about things that would be helpful?
0: Well, I think they need to, they need to view their relationship as a partnership. And they also, I, I think, and I, when I do any kind of premarital counseling appointments or anything like this, I tell them that you need to, you need to make a conscious effort to serve one another, Uh you know, within your relationship, you know, and, and always ask the question. How can I put his needs above my own? How can I put her needs above my own? That's one of those things that if you choose to do that, if you're both doing that together simultaneously, asking yourself how you can put the other's needs above your own, it becomes like this umbrella that covers over a multitude of relationship or marital sins. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really does. I mean, you you can work through. You can comu- you communicate so much better. You know, you may be at you may be at odds over something, but choosing to put the other's needs above your own, you 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 start to draw in and you meet in the middle, and it start it just works through a lot of issues that you face in marriage, a lot of big decisions, a lot of disagreements, parenting, intimacy, you name it right so that's a big piece that i that 's a big piece of advice that I, I give couples
1: and i and I do something a little bit similar. I always talk about um, it's important for your marriage to work for you, but it 's more than you. it has to work for your partner too it 's not an either or and if it 's working for you but not for them it 's not working, and vice versa so it's I kind of think about bumping your decision, whatever decision you're planning on making, bumping it against, is this good for the marriage? Is this something that is supportive of this important relationship? And I talk about it as, you know, the umbrella that covers both of you. You don't stop being who you are as individuals, but you're actually pulling yourself up and being more than.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and I think that that's, where people get stuck. I mean, we actually, you know, there, there's some there's some things that people talk about with marriage that just make me want to scream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and sacrificing yourself is one of the things. When people talk about marriage being a sacrifice, it's not. You can't sacrifice who you are because that's just going to blow up down down the road. But Absolutely. I think it's choosing to be a better you. Or the yeah, best, absolutely. The best you you can be. And I think that's kind of along what you're talking about, about serving each other. And it's not that my needs don't matter. It's just I recognize my needs aren't the only needs.
0: Exactly. And that's something that, you know, we, when we've spoken or written on this, we've actually received those questions back. Like, well, what about, why are you saying that I should just forsake my own needs? No, no, no. <laughs> Celebrate individuality in marriage. I mean, one of the, one of the most, I think one of the greatest gifts that my wife and I have given to one another is the gift of allowing each other to be who we were created to be, uh-huh. allowing ourselves to be ourselves. I mean, there are things that, that I like that fill me up. And Kristen celebrates that. There are things that she likes that fill her up and I celebrate that. And we've always allowed each other to be who we are and be ourselves.
1: And I think that's a critical thing um, because my husband and I do that too. And those things may change throughout time. You may not whatever whatever it is that fills you up may change but it's still the ability to recognize that when my partner is full i benefit
0: oh absolutely no question
1: and the relationship benefits and this is and it's why we fell in love with each other in the first place it's you know We weren't drudges to, hopefully we weren't drudges to something.
0: (laughs) And again, and
1: I'm not saying, you know, being a parent is, is hard work, but sometimes we need to take a break from it. And yes, I'm not saying leave the kids, you know, with a, with a bowl of, you know, dog food and water for two
0: weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But it's it's okay to to take a step back and take care of ourselves. And I think that's a piece that needs to be emphasized. Yeah. Um, but there's something else I will before before I let you get away, there's something I really want you to bring up. Because when I read this I just went I love it right before you got married, you received some advice about marriage from somebody you probably didn't know really really well, but what was that piece of advice and why was it so important?
0: oh goodness um, i well, I assume you're talking about the older gentleman that uh-huh. uh that that pulled me aside is that the was that the person you're talking that's, about? That's
1: the person I'm talking about
0: <laughs> well, and it was incredibly awkward when he did this, but you know uh he he pulled me aside. This was probably two weeks before I got married, and he looked at me and he said, "Mike, I want to give you uh, some uh, some marriage advice." You know, and he had a very fatherly tone, you know, very deep voice. So it's one of those like you lean in, expecting like this unbelievable nugget of wisdom <laughs> that you can store away. And he looked at me and he said, "Don't just remember, sex starts in the morning." And I was like, uh, uh, okay, you know, it was incredibly awkward, and and I think he even did this at church, so it made it even <laughs> worse. Like, whoa, like you know, that we're standing here, and we're not supposed to talk about you. Know, this is incredibly awkward. And then I'm and I'm thinking, you know, and then I get embarrassed because I'm like, okay, listen. Uh, if I'm going to talk about sex with anybody it's not going to be you. You know, it's like that, that's just incredibly awkward. But then he went on to tell me what he meant by that, you know, and it, it, it was, it was a, an illustration of how you have a healthy relationship. And it goes back to what I said earlier about serving one another, uh-huh. choosing to serve one another, choosing to put each other's needs above your own. And he was talking to me as a man, as a guy, you know, and basically saying when it comes to your wife, Intimacy is not just like flip a switch and bam, it's go time. Intimacy is, is our acts of kindness, acts of servanthood throughout the day, all the time, you know? And, and he was explaining the difference between men and women. And, and, and in the end, it was brilliant. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it opened my eyes because here I am, early twenties, you know, I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a guy and, you know, the guys are, are more, are wired visually and physically, whereas women are wired emotionally, spiritually, you know, things like that. So it was brilliant. It was a brilliant illustration of the differences between men and women, and how me as a new husband can relate to my wife, you know, better than I than I even knew how to, you know. So it really came down to what he was saying to me was put her. It, understand what fills her up, what Uh gives her life, what makes her, you know, brings her joy, brings, you know. And then in the end, it was really... It was a vice versa thing, like both of us do that for one another, so it was the most brilliant wedding advice, marriage advice started off incredibly awkward, <laughs> became, became brilliantly beautiful That's how I would describe it in the end
1: well, and I and for me, that piece of advice encompasses the true meaning of the word intimacy because a lot of people think of intimacy just as physical intimacy, act, you know, sexual acts, but it's right. the intimacy of caring it's the intimacy of being- yes interested it's the interest it's the intimacy of noticing m- this person who yeah. i've promised to i've promised m- to spend my life with and we go from this wonderful thing of being all about this person to suddenly going well what's your problem right <laughs> and right. We, we stop seeing and it's the int- it's the intimacy that to me makes the marriage and this is one of the reasons why while children are wonderful and I love them, they're, they need to sometimes be out of that, mm-hmm. and that and still allow us to see each other as the people that we first met and, and fell in love with.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: And And taking those steps that he was talking about to do that on a daily basis. I mean, I yes. I challenge I challenge my clients to how can you be the best partner today?
0: Yeah, that's good. That's Just, good.
1: You know, and it's it's that day-to-day th- thing. It's you know, the things that we do on a daily basis that build up that
0: lifetime. Well, and I think the mistake that couples make oftentimes, and and we, we kind of stumbled in this, uh, you know, back in the day when we got married is they, they, they think that serving one they compartmentalize putting the other person's needs above their own to like a one and done thing. Like, well, I'm going to do this. And then then that's it, you know.
1: Right. And or then I it's, expect it's, a payoff.
0: Yeah, or it's sporadic. It's it's you know, once a month. But I love how you say daily because that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to every single day you ask yourself the the, the question, how can I put her needs above my own? How can I put his needs above my own? And then asking that of one another and to ourselves daily, gosh, it equals it it equals marital health to the trillionth degree. It really does. I I really feel that's the ingredient for a successful marriage. Out of everything else you can do.
1: Right, and I could not agree more. So can you tell people where they can find more information about you and your books? I still love Seven Hills Every Parent Should Die On. (laughs) And, And really where they can get some good advice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, our our the main place that I will point people is to our blog, which is Confessions of an Adoptive Parent com, uh, and it's we our primary audience are foster and adoptive parents, but we also talk a lot about marriage enrichment. We talk about a lot. Of, we do talk about parenting in general, um, so that you can connect with us there. Connect with us with our to, uh, through our Facebook page, which is. Facebook.com forward slash confessions of an adoptive parent. The other thing that I'll mention is that we do have a, a self care course called the resting place and uh it will, we're actually going to open it up for registration at the beginning of uh, of October um and you can get on that that update list by going to findtherestingplace.com and uh sign up to receive notifications and we talk through some of the principles we've talked through here you know about stopping and taking time for you and you know learning how to take deep breaths things like that in the course uh, because we, we know that this is hard. Parenting is hard. Parenting can take the life out of you. So, um, so yeah, we would love to connect with people and answer any questions about marriage, about parenting, about foster care, adoption, self-care, you name it. That's what we do. That's what we love to do.
1: Terrific. And what I want people to remember, it is not selfish to put your marriage first. It's actually more beneficial for your children than putting them in the spotlight. Putting your marriage first gives them the stability to be children and grow up without adult worries. And it also prepares them for their own relationships when they get older. So the question becomes, are you willing to take better care of your marriage for your kid's sake? And ponder that. And until next week, stay loving.